Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. Hello, this is Chris Parker, and I am back with Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere. And today we have Jeannie Walters. And Jeannie and I met probably five, six years ago when a group of customer experience experts from literally all over the world came together to form the global CX panel back in the day. And um, I have benefited so much from not only Jeannie, but also the rest of that group because they're all specialists in their, in their, in their own way. And since then, uh, Jeannie has been doing all sorts of interesting things, including, you know, on LinkedIn learning, um, and she's been traveling all over giving uh, keynotes and, and workshops around customer experience. But Jeannie, I think it'd be much better if you could please introduce yourself and tell people what do, what do you do and why do you do what you do? Sure. Hi, Chris. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm Jeannie Walters. I'm CEO of a company called Experience Investigators. We've been around for about 11 years now. And essentially what I do is help organizations really understand the actual experience that their customers have. Because a lot of times we think we understand that when we're on the corporate, on the business side of things. But unless you really take the time to look at the experience through journey mapping, through uh, qualitative analysis, all sorts of things like that, then it's really hard to know. So that's why the name of my company is Experience Investigators, because I really believe you have to kind of roll up your sleeves and check everything out. And so I do that. I keynote. I do training, as you mentioned, all those things. And honestly, the the reason I do it is the mission of my company, which is to create fewer ruined days for customers. And that sounds so simple, but we Good. know that it's not. And yeah. at the end of the day, I really believe that if we can do that for one another, then we make the world a better place. And I know that sounds a little lofty, but I really believe that if we can make somebody's day just a little better, then they're not going to carry around that negativity of when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. So they're going to bring that that good experience to that next experience they have, whether that's with a cashier or with their family or anybody else. So that's why I do it. It's, it's kind of funny because one of the reasons that I was initially attracted to well, customer service and customer experience topics is because I used to get, and I still do sometimes, so frustrated when things are designed so poorly or, or you know, service reps are so unable to actually help or resolve. And then I have this weird tension of feeling sorry for that person, yet still angry because I'm not getting yes. it. So, Jeannie, why is it so hard? You, think, you know, <laughs> there's so many books written about it. You know, yeah. it's logical, I guess, for me. But why is it so hard for so, so many businesses to mm-hmm. not ruin their customers' days? Well, I think, I think there are a couple layers there. And the first is, as business people, often we're not told to think about this part of the business. Like, if you look at a traditional business plan, it talks about marketing a lot. It talks about uh, sales and customer acquisition. Uh, but it doesn't really go into, okay, now that you've got the customer, what is really important about designing that experience? That's not even discussed. And the other part of that is, you know, I, I'm, I've got this small business, right? And yet I still feel like, oh my gosh, there's so many different parts to it. I kind of want to silo things because sometimes we have to in order to focus. Yeah. You think about that on a grand scale and it's it's logical that people will 
silo different departments. They'll put marketing in, in charge of the website and they'll put customer service in charge of something else. And then finance is doing invoices. So all of those things are being done, but to the customer, it feels disjointed or it feels like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This isn't what somebody told me. And that's why looking at that holistic journey that the customer has with you is so important because we tend to fool ourselves. We think, oh, the process map shows us that this is happening. And yet when we actually look at it, it's not happening the way we think, or it's in conflict with another part of the journey. Yeah. And that's why it's so hard. It's just, it is, it's just, it's a hard thing to do. When I discuss customer experience with people and talk about customer journey mapping, I, I often talk about the, the, the business process as being the internal view and then the customer journey mm-hmm. being the external view. And sort of begging people to realize that those are different. Yes. Um, and if you only manage, you know, the inside out angle, then you're going to be missing that, that mm-hmm. you know, outside in angle. So mm-hmm. do you find that, um, and I do find this, um, that, that the companies that quote unquote get it more holistically, that their leadership somehow themselves also just gets it? Because I guess this isn't something that if leadership doesn't have it in their own little, their DNA that they couldn't, you know, hire experienced investigators and magically make it yeah. go away, you know, because <laughs> it's quite the opposite, I guess. It's, they probably have to live and breathe it. So yeah. what's, your, what's your experience on the different type of organizations you've worked with? Well, we have a saying around here and it's, it's that we only work with enlightened leaders. And that's wow. because I had an experience, I wrote a blog about this where I talked to all these different employees. We figured out what the issues were. I talked to the customers and essentially the CEO just couldn't hear it. He just could Mm -hmm. not hear it. And so it was typical of that type of leadership where if you have somebody who started a business, especially where it's their thing, and then they're in charge of this business, they it's grown, you know, there are growing pains in customer experience. And when you show that to them and say, this is what customers are actually saying, they literally can't hear it and they say, no, no, our, our customers love us. I just play golf with, with Jason over there and, you know, he loves me. I know that. And so they, they tell themselves stories that you mm. can't overcome, I think. So I really believe that if we are not able to reach that leader, if they're not willing to hear what I call the hard truths, then what's the point of doing what we're doing, right? And so we really believe that it has to come from the top. The leaders have to not only get it, but they have to be willing to have those hard conversations. And they also have to be willing to kind of remove the blame game in the organization. Mm -hmm. Because if you have sales and marketing fighting about whose job it was to uh, do something, and, you know, if you bring up something that's not working for customers and everybody's finger pointing, then that's not good for anybody either. So it has to do with culture. It has to do with leadership. It really is something that... I think now organizations are starting off considering the customer experience as they're growing, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't always the case. And so now you've got these big, huge companies with this legacy of not really worrying about the customer because they didn't have to. And so I think that is almost a harder position to be in than starting a company today and thinking about, okay, what is the customer experience? What's most important to us about it and how can we design our internal processes to reflect the right experience out into the world. Yeah. What, what I'm also seeing is, is 
maybe the, the dark side of <clears throat> the startups these days, which is like lean startup um, approaches, mm-hmm. where what I'm seeing is actually the, the lean is taking more importance than the customer part, you know, because in, mm-hmm. in principle, my book, you should be validating the customer and minimum viable should be minimum viable to the, to the definition of the customer or minimum mm-hmm. lovable, some people call as, as well. Um, and what I'm, what I'm seeing is, and I'm curious if you have as well, um, people are, are basically just putting garbage out there, mm-hmm. half-baked, just to see if it will work, you know, see if they piss off the customer just, uh, just enough that they won't run away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, guys, that's not, that's not really, no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, you know, so I think, uh, and, and again, I think it comes back to that mindset of, of the leader, either from a large organization or a small organization, but mm-hmm. do you see things like that in the market as well? Or is that? Yeah. Well, I love the way you just phrased that because I, I do think that what, especially in software, right. Can I say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they want to get something out so badly and they have their schedule, they have their, you know, product development team, very dedicated, doing what they need to do. And a lot of times, again, they're kind of siloed. They're kind of off in an island. And then the customer success people or the customer service or uh, the people who are gathering customer insights are literally in a different part of the organization. They don't even talk to each other. And so, I mean, it's not uncommon for me to be called in because something disastrous happened in that scenario where Mm. they released something because it was the minimal viable product or because it was when the upgrade was scheduled or all of these kind of arbitrary markers. And then the customer service team, you know, bears the brunt of that by hearing Mm. about how upset customers are. And that's when some ahas happen and they're like, oh, we should put these things together and think about the customer differently. And so a lot of times that's when I'm actually contacted because they realize they have a big, huge problem with customer trust because then customers don't want to sign up for the next upgrade. Yeah. They, they're not willing to risk it. And so it, it's this like cycle of trust and reassurance and listening that if we don't get that right, then everybody suffers uh, yeah. The customer suffers, the brand suffers, everybody suffers. So it really is about approaching customer experience as a mindset, a strategy, and a business discipline. It's part of doing business, and we have to just embrace that. And I, I'm curious, I, I've, I've lived through this recently myself with a company where I was responsible for technology and therefore supporting both customer service and operations as well as marketing and growth. And mm-hmm. I think that the, the, the distrust was actually starting before the customer distrust. And in fact, I think it was the distrust between those two departments mm-hmm. because they were essentially at odds. On one was just trying to grow, you know, so, so top line. And the other one was trying to maintain some efficiency and productivity. And they didn't have a language to, a culture language to have that dialogue um, mm-hmm. in, in order to come together. And, and um it was hard for me because I could sympathize with both of them. And, and then how do you, how can you over time figure that out? So how, how do you have a, a key piece of advice for people that are, that are coming from a siloed organization and then of course, and then they need to start looking really holistically around their experience? Well, I think a big part of that is what is actually measured and rewarded. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. I see a lot of, dashboards that don't talk about customers 
or mm. they have customer experience metrics like net promoter score, NPS, or customer satisfaction, CSAT, but they're just numbers. Like people don't really understand them. They don't understand what that means. They don't understand the levers that move those numbers. So they kind of separate that from the actual business results. And so it's easier then to say like, oh, customer experience, that's nice to have. That's something that, you know, we don't, we don't really need to invest in that anymore because we're, we're good, right? Like mm. our customers are good with this. And we, again, we kind of tell ourselves these stories. So I really look at it as if the leaders of the organization are really emphasizing that, you know what, by getting our NPS a little better, we can then retain more customers. And that means millions of dollars for this company. I mean, in some cases, a 1% bump in retention can mean millions of dollars, but we don't talk about it in those terms. We mm. talk about it as, you know, uh, we, we're, we're consumed with different things like market share or, um, you know, looking at how we are. I mean, some leaders get obsessed with their competition, right? Like they're mm. just like, as long as we're ahead of that guy, we're good. But that, then the whole conversation becomes about customer acquisition instead of really looking at how can we keep our customers happy and what does that mean for us? Does that mean upsell? Does that mean cross-sale? Does it mean, you know, higher retention and loyalty, better word of mouth, all of these things. But we have to connect those dots at like that C-suite level because otherwise it's really easy to just look at those numbers and think, oh, good, our customers like us, good for us, and not yeah, really yeah. connect it pat ourselves on the back, but yeah, not yeah. really understand it. So you, you, you mentioned something I thought was, was brilliant just a bit ago about the enlightened leaders. Mm -hmm. um, how do you know if someone's enlightened before <laughs> the conversation? Oh, this is or, the million dollar question, right? <laughs> or is, is there a blood test for this? Or is this, you know, oh, how some I sort wish. of, yeah. <laughs> how, how, how can you determine that? Or is it, is uh, it even possible? Uh, sometimes it is. I, I have uh, backed off early enough sometimes where I just get the, you know, I get the sense that they're checking something off the list. And mm -hmm. a lot of times this, the way this shows up is they say things like, well, um, so-and-so told me we need a, a customer journey map. And it's like, well, why, why do you need a map? What's the goal? What are you trying to do? And, and I get on a, whole thing about journey maps because a lot of times people treat them like they're a deliverable like okay we did our journey map check and really they're a tool and mm -hmm. they need to be something that's a living document that you refer to that you add to it evolves and so when they say things like that I always say okay so you know what's really going on and if I get the sense that they don't really buy into this that they're doing it as I mean it's it's the same thing that like when I say to people like, you know, I really need to do a budget, <laughs> like a personal budget, like, mm. yeah, it's something that I know I should do. I want to check the box that I did mm. it. But, you know, if you're, if you're using a budget, well, you are using it and you're referring to it and it's evolving and all those things. But I think that's the kind of attitude that I, I just try to be aware of because it, it's not going to do anybody any good. And it will feel bad. And I know that feeling from that mm. CEO who just couldn't hear. And so I just decided at that moment, like, I want to avoid that feeling of investing what we do and doing something that we're proud of and just knowing that it's, it's going to be like that binder from the 90s from the consultant, you know, <laughs> that goes up on the shelf yeah. and nobody refers to it. And it's just, it's just a, 
a waste. Uh, well, I don't think those binders are only from the 90s. I think those are yeah. still being made today. Um, That's true. That's and, true. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sadly, I, I guess. But it's, it's um, yeah, the customer journey mapping, and as well as the persona or avatar work. Yeah, if it's mm-hmm. deliverable that will go in a, in a, in a, a binder and not used. Right. Um, well, maybe just save yourself the energy and just don't, don't even do it. Um, yeah. So I'm curious if, if what is the most meaningful or powerful way that you've seen, you know, avatar persona work and customer journey work maybe transform the mindset of a leader? Have, have mm-hmm. you seen some, some, because I guess in some cases you could come in and, and the person's sort of poo-pooing it because they don't really know, but then deep down they could get it. Yep. And I guess that's probably your tension of whether to engage or not, but. What is the biggest transformation, you know, mindset transformation you've ever seen? I think what I get really excited about is when we are a lot of times doing a workshop around journey mapping or understanding the customer and they'll they'll basically realize that there are things that have been done because they've just always been done that way mm-hmm. or because that's how their industry has done it. And my favorite moment was it was around a, a subscription product. And we were, you know, talking about the customer journey. And one of the areas of the customer journey that a lot of times we don't talk about is the exit, is when they no longer need to be our customer. And how do we treat them? And do we just dump them back into the marketing queue like we've never had a relationship with them? Mm-hmm. And, and I brought up, you know, they had a subscription product. They demanded, you know, something like 45-day notice. Customers hated it. They always complained. And... I just asked the question, why? Why do we do that? And they were like, well, our whole industry does it, blah, 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 blah. And the, a C-suite leader, he said, but that's a terrible way to treat people. And he said, we're, we're going to stop that. Yeah. And it was this moment of like, okay, they're internalizing who they want to be and how they want to show up for customers. And I think that's what we're missing in so many organizations. We never talk about that. We talk about these hard facts in business and we act like, oh, there's this soft skill side. But really, if you have a relationship with a customer, if you are communicating with them, if you are providing value for them, that is a relationship and we need to treat it like that. And I think that's the part that we often just don't talk about. We've never been trained this way. And especially leaders like that who he he recognized they were going to lose money, right? Like they were, they were losing an opportunity. Well, maybe, or maybe they're going to earn more money on the long term. Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. And yeah. so we were able to to look at that longer term and realize that you know what, by doing this, we actually increased loyalty, we actually increased renewal, we increased word of mouth, all of these things. They had people who would exit and then refer several other people. And so I think that it it takes that vision, but we just have never been trained this way. And so that's why I love those moments because it feels like, it does feel like they're they're tucking it into their heart and it's something that they're going to start living in a different way. I I love the story. Literally today, um, I I was talking with a couple of guys who are very experienced in in the software and security space, but potentially, you know, helping them with their, you know, craft this this company and, and bring it you know through startup and, and even to scale up and and I, and based on my simplicity scan you know obviously having learned from you and, and the other you know experts have been you know very fortunate to be near over the last years um, the experience is really 
you know, centered to that. You know, it's just mm-hmm. you know, not only is the customer that you need to know in the product and, and, and the actual experience. And when I was explaining it to them, I said, well, there's not only the awareness and the onboarding experience, but then there's the actual, you know, adoption and consumption experience. And then, but there's the renewal or the exit experience. And, right. you know, and, and I said, it's important for me to know what kind of company we're going to be before I get involved. Because if we're going to be a lock-in a-hole company, then <laughs> I'm not really, that's not my, that's not my DNA. Because my yeah. belief is if you build in that a seamless respectful, like that executive said, uh, then, then, mm-hmm. well, everyone's happier. And also your customer service people, you know, why put your service reps that are on the front line in a place where mm-hmm. they have nothing to win <laughs> in those mm-hmm. conversations? Yeah. They're just going to yeah. get ripped apart, dissatisfied and leave. Um, so uh, lovely. It's, it's, um, yeah. and, and how did it turn out? Can I ask that did the, the financials, did they, they stay did. on par? They, 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 went they up? did. They, they long term, they were much better off. And in fact, during this uh, coronavirus situation, they got a lot of uh, customer support because they took took proactive steps to reduce the cost because it wasn't being used as much and different things. So wow. they really were proactive when yeah. the rest of the industry wasn't. Yeah. And there, I mean, I saw um, reactions from customers on social media like, "You have a customer for life." This is amazing. You know, thank you for not making me work so hard because you flipped the script on that. And there are so many places now where they're not answering the phones, you know, like they're taking the exact opposite approach and customers are really left high and dry and they really uh, stepped up in a really amazing way. Um, How about, how about your business? Cause, cause Mm -hmm. in principle, you've been on the road having these human interactions, transformations, sort of interventions with leadership teams and their teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I love that. Interventions. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the experience investigation interventions. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a long for a URL, but um, um, how have you responded, you know, with your own business and, and mm-hmm. been able to support your customers, not only now, but also, you know, looking to whatever the next normal will be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is an exercise in adaptability, isn't it? Mm. And flexibility. Uh, So I've been really fortunate because a lot of the relationships I have with my clients are long-term. And so while I would go in and do, you know, quarterly workshops or things like that, I also was doing a lot of coaching for new CX leaders or Mm. CX teams. Uh, So that's still going on. I'm still doing a lot of writing. Uh, I've been uh, writing my own blog forever. <laughs> and now uh, I work with clients who bring me in to write for their sites. So I'm doing a lot of that, uh, a lot of video work, a lot of, you know, I've been able to, um, I, I was scheduled for a keynote in in May with uh, my podcast partner, Adam Taporek. He and I were supposed to both be in Boston and they made the whole thing virtual and we just made it work. And that mm-hmm. was really great. And so Um, I'm doing a lot of that. And then a lot of uh, just discussions like this, really trying to stay connected to people and connected to uh, different customer experience leaders I know just to hear what they're dealing with and Mm -hmm. how they're handling it. So, yeah, so I'm staying very busy, which I appreciate. Um, But it's it's certainly different than being in the room. Yeah, for sure. And and what I'm also hearing from people, I'm I'm curious what you're hearing from the jungle drums as you're talking to people, Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing back from not only CX leaders, but uh, you know, like in the tech, you know, CIO, CTO type space that I'm in as well. That 
people are really missing the, the informal hallway talks because mm-hmm. right now everything's on task. So mm-hmm. on Zoom, you're, you're back to back. Um, it's all with an agenda. And, yep. and before when maybe where the magic happens was, was, was sort of the in-between moments. Right. And so far, I've not found anyone who's been able to solve, you know, mm-hmm. in-between moments um, over Zoom. Yeah, what, I think. What are you hearing out there? Well, it's funny because one of the shifts that happened for me in the last year is that I think a lot of leaders started figuring out that a lot of customer experience best practices could be applied to employee experience. Mm -hmm. So I was actually working with some HR leaders, some chief learning officers, people like that, and doing some employee experience mapping. And so we were doing employee personas and candidate personas and things like that. And what I've been recommending in these last few months is change those to focus more on on the whole person. So instead of looking at the role or the department and saying, okay, what do IT leaders need from us? I, I think now we have to ask the question, okay, what do employees who have small children need from us? What what do mm-hmm. employees who have you know older relatives at home that they're concerned about their health? What do they need from us? We're all in these different worlds now. And so one of the the organizations that I worked with, they created a whole bunch of Slack channels just for that so cool. that their their employees could reach out to one another and say, oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened or just have that informal kind of coffee talk. Mm-hmm. And they started doing little kind of happy hours just for those different groups, as well as broadening it out to different departments and everything else. And it's actually created this, this wonderful kind of cross-departmental relationship that maybe wouldn't have been there um, in the past. So I think that there are ways to get a little creative about it, but I agree that people miss that interaction. And even, I mean, people like me, I've worked from home since I started this business, but it's different, you know, it's different with my husband working from home now and our two boys doing their schoolwork and people coming in and out and sharing Wi-Fi and all these things. I mean, it's different. And I think we, we have to just acknowledge that wherever we are and acknowledge that we're all dealing with this. I mean, there's a different example every day of somebody on a news program and their kid comes in and asks for a snack and we all laugh about it because we can all relate to that. Yeah. And yeah. so I hope that the humanity of this moment and the compassion of it, I hope that carries on as we get into whatever the next normal is. Yeah, it was, it was, it was funny that you talk about the kid coming in because earlier on I had, you know, it's an uncertain time. And, and on one session, doing some coaching, um, I, he graciously and, and lovingly gave feedback later. He said, well, when your kid kept coming in and giving you hugs, I found that a little bit off-putting and maybe not a little pro- you know, professional. And mm-hmm. I was just like, well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we are. Right. And, um, and like, thank you for telling me. And, and mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. happy that, that you shared that. But it's, uh, yeah. I, if I remember right, um, on your on your podcast with Adam, customers that mm-hmm. stick. Did you talk about using employee personas to get ready for the Corona time? I th- I, is that ringing a bell? Yeah, we we probably did, and yeah. it's actually uh, crack the customer code is the name of it. Customers that stick is Adam's company. Oh, uh, um, sorry, I'm oh, sorry. I, no, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Crack the uh, customers code. I'll put that links in the in the show notes and stuff as well. Perfect. Yeah, so. yeah. I think we did talk about that. We've talked about. Um, kind of the broader topic of, you know, this time period we're in several times. And it really is about kind of exploring exactly where we are in the moment 
And, Mm. you know, that's something that I think we, again, are not trained to do, right? Like we are told constantly to forecast and make Mm. sure that you're predicting what's next. And, and now we kind of have to stay in the moment and figure out what is everybody Mm. dealing with and how can we help them? And that's for both customers and employees. I mean, customers Mm. are dealing with the same stuff. And so when they're calling in for an issue, we have to put ourselves in their shoes and think, okay, this means we're disrupting whatever day they have. Um, they might be, you know, calling while they're making lunch for their family or mm-hmm. while they're walking the dog or any of these things that we have to do throughout our day. But they also have the fact that they're calling in means they have a real issue. And I think in the past, we often treated customer service like, oh, as long as we solve their problem quickly or efficiently. But we have to take a step back and think, how can we prevent those problems? And how can we empower our service reps and the agents there to really respond to them in a human and compassionate way? Because I think we just need more compassion in general right now. Everybody's, everybody's got this emotional load that we didn't always have. And so I think we just have to be aware of that. So Jean, I think that is a, a beautiful place to, to wrap up. We just need more compassion right now. I feel that. Um, and crack the customer code. I really would recommend it. It's it's delightful. It's fresh. It's it's you and Adam. You know, clearly passionate and having fun with this topic. Uh, sometimes just between you, and sometimes you have other people dialing in. I'll put that in the, in the show notes. So, Jeannie, how can uh, people get a hold of you? What's the best way for them to to track you down and learn more about you? Sure. Well, you can. Check me out at experienceinvestigators.com. And then I also, of course, welcome connections on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You can find my courses on LinkedIn Learning. And I'm also on Twitter and everywhere else. <laughs> great. Well, I'll put all the links I can find in the show notes. Jeannie, thank you so much for joining. I, this thank has been you. great. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Learn more at ebillion.com slash podcast. 